It's uh, good to be here. I do at this time want to invite the children that are a part of our church family to head, if they wish, to the children's service led by the one and only Shalene Valentine. And uh, the age range is ideally two years old to second grade, but uh, again, uh, if you're outside that age range, talk to Shalene. She'll probably let you in. So um, it's great to see you guys. Hey, and how are you guys doing today? How was the second ever connection group? I'll tell you what, isn't that awesome? I have uh, such a good group, and I know that you guys, I'm sure, had an amazing time. But what a cool thing that we're doing right now at this church for Vision 2020. And uh, it's going to be cool to see what happens in these next five weeks, because uh, these groups will take a five-week break. And then uh, in, I think, April 5th, if you mark your calendars, April 5th will be the next Connection Group meeting. So during these five weeks, do something crazy. Tell, do something where you have a story to tell on April 5th to your Connection Group. And uh, you know what's going to happen? A couple announcements, right? If you look on your, in your bulletins, we do have some really cool things going down uh, here at this church. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church family. And so what's happening during these five weeks where the connection groups aren't meeting well we're offering our second set of interesting amazing classes and so we have a detailed list of what these classes are these take place every sunday for these next five weeks i think march 1st through march 29th so that's five sundays in march from 9.30 a.m. to 10.15. So it's right before this time, right during the time where we had the connection groups as well. But the classes this time, number one, we have Bible journaling with Rebecca Jacobson. Is she here? All right, I don't think she's here right now. But this will be a great class for those that really want to pause and really want to take a verse or a word of Scripture and meditate on that. Oh, I forgot one more thing. That's good. Thanks for the waving hands back there. It takes two of you. LTC. If you want to be a part of LTC, please head on the back uh, to the back. Your time is now uh, in the back balcony there. So Rebecca Jacobson, she's going to be doing the Bible journaling uh, where you take a word or a scripture and you detail it out in an artistic way. You also have a class taught by Vicki Martin. That's not a picture of Vicki Martin, by the way. Uh, this is a picture of C.S. Lewis, and she's going to be covering the book uh, Mere Christianity. Um, by, uh, uh, by, by C.S. Lewis uh, for five weeks, and we'll be meeting in the East Wing. And then also you have the famous uh, ladies' Bible class with the one and only Bible biblical scholar and theologian, Lucille McNeil, and they're continuing their series on the New Testament using the Bible credit curriculum. There's a class that's called Looking for the Light uh, that's going to be taught by June Martin and Kim Ritzenthaler Leeson. And this is a, a class that will be focused on looking for the beauty in the mundane or looking for the beauty in the details and it's it's going to be cool because this particular class is going to be the first part of the class will be a kind of a theological uh time to, to really reframe our minds to be able to be present in the moment to be here and now and then kim is a award-winning photographer you may have seen her <laughs> coming around here taking photos uh, she's going to be doing a, a second part of the class. We'll be kind of using how to use the camera. And the cool thing is they're not going to be focusing on real expensive cameras with lenses. It's going to be geared towards the iPhone. So how to use the iPhone. And I think every day there's going to be an exercise with this class about trying to see the beauty within the mundane. Uh, you also have the New Testament Bible credit class with Harold and Billy Faye Curtis. That's going to meet in the library, continuing their amazing uh, ser uh, series on the New Testament. And then finally, uh, Mike Young is going to be going deep 
in, uh, to the seven deadly sins, kind of looking into each one of them. Uh, he has five weeks. I'm amazed. I'm, I'm curious how he's going to do seven in five weeks, but we might have to do some. Uh, he, he doesn't know. <laughs> We're going to maybe have some supplement time, but this will be a, a class that really looks into those in a deep way. So anyway, be thinking about which class you guys want to be a part of. These start next Sunday here at the church, 9.30 a.m. We hope that everyone can be a part of it. These classes only go for five weeks, and then they're gone. So you got to act now when it comes. Secondly, I've got some really great news. Next week also, we have a guest speaker uh, that's going to be speaking. The title of the speaker will be Living by Faith. This is one of my personal heroes, talking about heroes of faith. Larry Henderson is one of my heroes. Uh, he is a former missionary in Thailand, uh, a child of a missionary in Thailand, and currently he's a professor at ACU, and also, asterisk by his name, he's a world record holder skydiver. skydiver. So uh, maybe we can get him to tell his, some of his stories, but this will be next Sunday on this very stage at this very time. So whatever plans you have next Sunday, cancel it. Even if it's Disneyland, cancel Disneyland, come here instead, because uh, this will be a message that you will not want to miss, because really he is a, a personal hero to me. But, man, uh, if you're a guest today, we're so happy you're here. I love this church family. We are the Skillman Church of Christ. We meet together as a family, a spiritual family, every Sunday. We sing together, we pray together, we read scripture together, we love each other well. We are a group that is striving to be a community that lives by faith, a community that advocates hope, and a community that's known by our love in the community and our surrounding area. And so right now we are in a series on faith. We've kind of broken the year up into different seasons. The first part of the year, we'll be looking at faith. How do we become people of faith? What does it look like to grow spiritually and to connect with the divine? The second part of the year, we'll look into advocating hope. What can we do as Christians to advocate for those that need a message of hope? What message of hope can we share with the world? And then the third part of the year, we'll be looking at love. How can we be a people of love? So much so that when people look at this community, they say, oh man, those guys at Skillman, they love each other. They, they really know what it, look, what it looks like to be a person of love. So we are in this series of faith right now, looking at Hebrews chapter 11. And I wanted to start with a little bit of a story about these two boys. These two boys were brothers. They were young, young kids, maybe in the late elementary age. And they were very mischievous. They loved to disobey their parents. They loved to kind of break the rules. Rules were suggestions, and so they would just kind of do what they wanted to do. Well, the parents just about had it up to here with these two brothers. And they said, man, we got to send these brothers to the, to the minister, because the minister will straighten this, these kids out. So sure enough, they send the youngest kid, and he goes into the minister's office, and he's sitting there in that big chair, small, and the minister looks and says, son, you're the younger brother. Your parents have sent me here to ask you some questions. The question I have for you today, young man, is where is God? Where is God? And the young boy was, was kind of taken back, didn't know what to say, and just, just had his mouth, just, just didn't, didn't respond because he was so nervous. And so the, the minister again got closer and said, son, where is God? Well, this kid had enough, and so he gets up and bolts out of the office and runs home and goes straight to his brother's room and says, oh my goodness, we're in deep trouble. God is missing, and they think we have something to do with it. 
where is God, was the question. And I think in some senses, this very question was, was the question that the people in Hebrews were asking as well. Because as we learn from our times in the past, the people of Hebrews, in the, in the book of Hebrews, they were experiencing persecution. They were people of Jewish heritage who had adopted Christianity. They had adopted Jesus as their Lord. And because of this conviction, because of this, came persecution, came being outcast. There, there was problems, there was trials. And in the latter part of Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews looks at them and says, Don't lose heart. Don't give up. But instead, be people of faith. Be a person of faith. And so there's something about faith in the Christian sense that breeds perseverance. There's something about faith in the Christian lens that allows us in the tough times to overcome and to fix our eyes on Jesus and to be able to withstand and and be able to answer that question, where is God in the most difficult times in our life? In the past couple weeks, we've talked about faith. We've really talked how faith is not just belief. There's, there's, there's some similarities there, but faith doesn't stop between our ears. Faith is something that's a verb. It's something that moves us to action. It's a lifestyle. Faithfulness is, is a good translation. We also talked about how faith isn't just a blind leap. That the essence of Christian faith is looking at those that lived before us. Or even in our own life, about the faithfulness of God and how God has always been faithful. God will continue to be faithful. God is faithful now. We put our faith in this story and we live accordingly. And so we also talked how faith is just so hard to define. I mean, the author of Hebrews, he, he, he tries to define faith, but the best way to, to look at faith is almost like the wind. You can't see the wind. But you can see the effects of the wind. And so he goes and tells story after story after story of people who live by faith so that we can learn and define what faith is in, in, in our life. So today we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. So if you have your Bibles today, please turn, get your Bibles open or open that app on your, your phone. And if you, have, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We have a Bible in front of your pew. It'll only cost you $5.99. Just joking. It's a free Bible. Take it home with you if you don't have one. And this particular story in Hebrews chapter 11 is on page 1,874. 1,874 Hebrews 11. And we're going to hear about a, a, a man named Enoch in this story. We're going to go deep down into what does Enoch teach us about what it looks like to be a person of faith here and now. So in verse 5 of chapter 11, the author of Hebrews writes, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we know a couple things from this text. Number one, the man's name is Enoch. We know that. (laughs) That's his name. We we get that from Hebrews chapter 5. The second thing is, this man Enoch, apparently he did not experience death. There was something that happened in his life where he evaded death, somehow went straight to the glory land to, to commune with God. According to Hebrews 5, he didn't die. 
And the last thing that we read about Enoch in this text is that he lived a life who he was commended as one who pleased God. So there's something about the way that Enoch lived. There was something about the way that he interacted with God that pleased God. So, you know, sometimes in this Hebrews 11, these characters, they have like whole books after them or sometimes whole chapters. Well, this is unique because Enoch... (laughs) Enoch just has like a few verses. He, he doesn't have a lot of screen time in the Old Testament. In fact, he's a, he would get, you know, there's the Oscar for the supporting actor. I think, you know, this Enoch would be the, the supporting of the supporting of the supporting actor, Oscar. I mean, he's not, not really a big time at all in the Old Testament. So, <clears throat> but just his brief mention is something to be noted in Hebrews 11. The way he lived, the way he treated others, the way that he interacted with God was something that was pleasing to God. So let's go back and see, well, what was it about this guy Enoch? This story of Enoch goes all the way back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in ver, uh, chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. So let's turn our Bibles there. If you don't, if you don't have your, uh, your Bible, this, this particular story is on page 8 on the Pew Bibles. I mean, it's way, way in the front story here. Genesis chapter 5, page 8. And <clears throat> so... Here in Genesis chapter 5, this is kind of like the ancient version of Ancestry.com. How many of you have done the Ancestry.com where you get the genetics and you give your blood and, and it tells you your great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother was this person. You can see it on the chart. Well, this in, in Genesis chapter 5, it begins a genealogy. It begins to share, well, <clears throat> here's Adam and here's Moses. Well, who is the generation between the two, between Adam and, Mo- and, and Noah? So Adam and Noah in Genesis chapter 7. And so... It goes in, and at the end of chapter 4, it actually gives the genealogy from Adam's son Cain down. And then in Genesis chapter 5, it switches in, in from the Adam's other son, Seth, and it gives the genealogy. And I tell you this, thankfully, I'm not having any more children. <clears throat> My factory is closed. But if I were, there are some amazing names for babies. In this chapter. Just those out there looking for names. This is excellent. I mean, in fact, let's, let's go back a couple. Let's go to G- chapter 4, verse 19. These are some of my favorite Bible names ever. These are twin or brothers. These are brothers. They're uh, Lamech, Mary, Genesis 4, 19. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and one named Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabel. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. So here we have brothers, Jabel and Jubal. Man, if I had twin boys, if only I could have twin boys, I would name them Jabel and Jubal. Hey, Jabel, Jubal, come here. Jubal, Jabel. Just put it out there. Anyone who wants to have twins, these are perfect names. Jabel and Jubal. I mean, you can't, you mix them up, you know, but it's, it, that, these, are, these are great names. So we get to Genesis chapter 5, and when we see the genealogy, you start with Adam. Adam had a son named Seth. Then Seth had a son named Enosh. Write these names down. They could become in handy. Enosh. And then Enosh had a son named Kenan. And then Kenan had a son named Mahalalel. <laughs> Can't read that one well. And then Mahalalel had a son named Jared. <laughs> Didn't that little seem a little off? <laughs> like you have, you have Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, and Jared. It's like the subway guy. Like how common is the name Jared. Here we are, it's hilarious. And then Jared has a son named Enoch, 
who is the, the source of this story today. Enoch's father was Jared, <laughs> the subway guy. But it says in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 5, let's go there right now. It talks a little bit about Enoch, and this is the, very, this is the only mention of Enoch in the Old Testament. It says in verse 21, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became father of Methuselah. That's another great name. After he became the father of Methuselah, does anybody know the trivia of Methuselah? What's, why is he famous? I think you said this. It's kind of a blur, but did someone, one of you say is the oldest person ever recorded to live in Scripture? According to Scripture, he lived 969 years. So that's a long time. Can you imagine the back pain in the morning? That, that, that morning? <clears throat> but anyway, Methuselah's father was Enoch. And it says here, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. So, you know, here we have this part of the Old Testament where people lived a long time. And, I mean, they were living hundreds and hundreds of years. And, you know, it's, it's a little confusing because, you know, the average age now is about 70. So what happened? And so, you know, there's different, different theories that you can read about what this happened, why the ages were different. I mean, it could be that they just really lived that long. It could be that, that, that the stories that were written down, that these people really just lived that amount of years. I mean, that would be, again, the knee pain, but maybe the, the, it was a different era at that time before things happened. It could be that the, uh, the time was recorded differently as well, that, uh, that the way we view years could be different from the years that was viewed in that time. Or it, it could be that there really isn't any point whatsoever to being historically accurate in particular, but the numbers actually mean something deeper. The, de the numbers have significance the, the numbers actually mean something, and so it's less, the less, it's less important for them to have the exact years, but more important for these numbers to mean something. So anyway, these are some options, and I, you know, I'm not sure where you are on this, but anyway, this is where, a part of the scripture where there are some old people, old as death, walking around 900 years old here. So in verse 24, it says about Enoch, this is where it gets interesting. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. I'm going to read that again. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. So here we, we learn something about this guy Enoch that's mentioned in Hebrews 11. Number one, how did he walk with God? By faith. He walked faithfully with God. He walked with God. We know this that this is something about Enoch, that he is one that is known to be walking with God, walking with God wherever he went. And the second thing was, is that he was no more, so some, somehow he disappeared, or somehow he, he went into, into the oblivion, and he, was, he, was, he wasn't anymore, and he died at 365 years. I remember I was talking with Diane Dishman about this very text not too long ago, and we were talking about Enoch, and she'd heard this a really cool story years back, how, uh, in reference to this story, how Enoch walked with God. And they were walking together, and they were talking. Enoch and God were just in, in conversation. And they were in such deep conversation that they kind of lost track of where they were. And they just started, you know, continuing their journey. Well, finally they got to the point where they realized where they were. And God looks at Enoch and says, hey, we're actually closer to my house. You just want to head over to my place? 
kind of what could have, could have happened with this story. But here we have instance where Enoch, and I think this is the key of what pleased God, he was somebody who walked with faith. He walked by faith. He walked with God. And this phrase, walking with God, walking with God, this is a phrase that's used a lot in the Old Testament to signify someone who was really close and in, in, in communion with the creator of the world. A few chapters later in, in Genesis 6 verse 9, it says that Noah is praised for walking with God. I think I have this text in, this, in the back here. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. It's another person who walked with God. In Psalms 86 verse 11, the psalmist is begging for God, please, God, in verse 86 11, teach me your way, O God, that I may what? I may walk in your truth. May I be in such a state spiritually that I may walk with you. And the prophet Micah, one of my favorite verses of the entire scripture, sums up what it all means to God. What does the Lord require of you? In Micah 6, 8, the prophet says, he has shown you, immortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to what? To walk humbly with your God. So obviously this phrase, walking with God, this was a metaphor, a metaphor in the Jewish faith of somebody who had a tight connection, a connection, a walking with the way that God created the world. And so, you know, was Enoch really hand-in-hand walking with a God-like figure? We have to understand this is a metaphor, but metaphors are true. Metaphors are true. I was, I was telling Mike Young one time that I went to this conference, Tara and I did, and there was a speaker, and he was talking about metaphors in Scripture, how, how metaphors are there in Scripture, and they bring truth. And he was a Scottish guy. He had a really thick Scottish accent. And so he had this phrase that he said time and time again, and we, Tara and I ended up adopting it, and we sometimes say it to each other, and even our kids say it sometimes. But it's a, it's a phrase. It's, he's just a Scottish guy. He goes, metaphors didn't happen but they're absolutely true. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time because this is so... Metaphors didn't happen, but they're absolutely true. <laughs> so this idea that walking with God, it's a metaphor for somebody who is so in line, has such a great connection with the divine that, that God is with them. They acknowledge the presence of God that God is all around. If you, and, and here's the deal too, because the truth of the matter is we as Christians know that we can't escape from God. God is everywhere. If we go to the top of the mountains, God is there. If we go to the depths, God is there. If we go to the deepest, to the highest, God is with us. So really, someone who walks with God is somebody who can acknowledge God's presence. A God that's already here, but that can be present and see that God is with us in this moment and has this relationship, this, this, this tight flow with God to where every step is with, in communion with God. It's like that, um, that famous story where it's that poem where there's like the footprints in the sand, you know, where like there's two footprints and then all of a sudden like there's only one and then later, like later that person goes and talks to God and says, hey, I saw that you were with me during these times, but but what about these times where I was walking alone? And uh, in, in this story, 
uh, Jesus says, well, during these times, there's only one footprint. That wasn't you walking by yourself. That was me walking, carrying you on my back. It's this idea that a person who's walking with God, we're always surrounded by the divine. God is here and now. But the people that walk with God are the ones that can see it. The ones that can pause slowly enough and diligently enough to realize that God is here. It's almost like that story in the Old Testament where Jacob wrestles with God. At the end, he says, you were here the whole time. I just did not know it. So something about Enoch, there's something about Noah, that they were able to walk with God on the walk, and the way that they live life acknowledged that God was with us. God was present in this moment. Faith is like walking with God. It's a closeness and awareness, awareness of God's presence. If we were to take this, this language, walking with God, and if we were to take it into the New Testament, this is the, the same idea as the fruits of the Spirit. That someone who has the Spirit of God within them, the fruits of the Spirit naturally come out of them love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness, faithfulness and self-control. This is what walking with God looks like. It's when that you are so in tune, so in line with God that the fruits of the Spirit just naturally overflow in our heart. We are walking into the rhythm of the way that God created the world, that way, the way that God created us to be. This is what walking with God means. It's being able to see the beauty and presence of God here and now and to allow the fruits of the Spirit to indwell in us and produce all these beautiful things. Walking with God also means relationship. There's a text in Amos later in the Bible. It talks about this phrase, walk together. In Amos 3, verse 3, I think I have it up here. There's a question. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So this idea in the Hebraic sense, walking with God, this faith Faith was an action. Faith was something, walking is, you're heading somewhere, but we're walking with the divine next to you with the acknowledgement that God is there. How many of you would love to have a faith like Enoch? To be able to be walking with God, to be so in tune like a song that we're walking in rhythm with the way that God created the world. It's like a, a flow, like a river just flowing smoothly down. That's how walking with God is like. So how do we do it? That's the question, right? That's, and here's some, some ideas where we talk about what it is. How can we become people who walk with God? There's a, and this is where the spiritual practices come in handy. The, the things that we're doing this season to really begin to nurture this discipline to be able to acknowledge God here and now. Because it does say in verse, the, the first part of this chapter, that faith is something that we cannot see. So with, when walking with God, we can't depend upon our eyes to see God, this, this God that we're walking with. We have to rely on our other senses. We have to get this cell phone tower, we have to build a, a cell phone tower big enough to where our other senses can get the signal of God. Or we have to cl clean out our ears so that we can listen to the, to the voice of God in our life. There's a, there's a famous quote by Winnie the Pooh. I love this. And God talks about, I think, a, a, state, a, a place where we can, uh, a way to, to listen better. Here's the phrase. It says, here's a, I have it in the back here as well. If the person you are talking to doesn't appear to be listening, 
be patient. It may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ear. Wise words from Winnie the Pooh. So the question, if if we want to walk with God, if we need our other senses to be heightened, how can we be better listeners? How can we listen to the presence and feel the presence of God in our life? How can we take this fluff and get it out of our ears so that we can listen to the voice of God? Because any of you are in a relationship, you know that listening is a very important part of being in a relationship. If, in, in a relationship. if we want to have a relationship with God, we have to be good listeners as well. It has to be a, a time where we pause and try to listen. I saw a comic not too long ago of this couple on their first date, and it was a man and a woman, and it had a bubble over the man's, um, and it said, the man said, they're, they're at a table, and the man over the bubble said, I'm so nervous. Say something, say something, say something. I, what can I say? And this, this man was nervous because he couldn't say anything because he was so nervous. He was, he was trying to say something, but was too nervous. And then over in the, uh, the, the female side of the table, I had another bubble over her head, and she was thinking, wow, a man that actually listens. <laughs> this one's a keeper. Well, there's that story about this couple where this husband wanted to test whether his wife could hear him. And so he goes to the back of the room and says, honey, can you hear me? Not a word. She didn't say anything. Didn't respond. Didn't acknowledge it. So he steps a little bit closer. Honey, can you hear me? Again, complete silence. She didn't say a word. Didn't acknowledge it. So he's like, man, she can't hear very well. So he gets really close to her ear and says, honey, can you hear me? And she says, oh, for the third time, yes, I can. That was a slow burn. <laughs> That's a slow burn. The third time. All right. This idea of listening, this is an integral part of our faith. How can we be a people that listens to God? How can we be a people that are so aware, that are so cognizant, that are so awake, that we're not just walking blindly, but we are able to pause and acknowledge that God's presence is with us, see it, feel it, and continue to walk on our journey. So for this week, I do have three challenges, three challenges for this community of faith to really practice this in our own lives. The first challenge is this. Slow down and practice silence and solitude. This week, may we find time in your life, in the busyness of Dallas in the busyness of the, of the work schedules, may we find time to slow down, to be silent, and to spend time in solitude. Because sometimes it's so easy to be almost like walking zombies, just in a trance on the way to someone else, somewhere else. But someone wise once said, if life is what is happening on the way to somewhere else, then we miss out. And here we see the example of Jesus. Jesus in his own life, he had this ebb and flow of times where he was with people and he was speaking and he was on his game in front of people. But there are also times in the ministry of Jesus where he had to retreat. And he had to spend time in prayer and solitude. He had to slow down to allow ourselves to be fully present in this moment. If we want to be people who are walking with God, people of faith, We have to intentionally in our life slow down. 
we need to, to not get sucked in to the rat race and going to bed late, but we need to act actively and intentionally build in times in our own life where we do nothing, but we sit, we pray, we ponder the things of God, and we do our best to get the fluff out of our ear so that we can fully listen to God. May we this week build in time for Sabbath. You know, something that the, the, the Jewish people really did well was the idea of Sabbath, where there was a built-in time where we are reminded that our worth isn't dependent upon our productivity. So think about it. What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do next week? What are you going to do to build into your life times to intentionally slow down, to be silent, and to be alone? Second thing is this. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Your parents say that to you? We say it to my kids. Put the phone down. We live in in a world, man, where these phones... They are always with us. And we have just all these, we have, at our fingertips, we have infinite wisdom. And we have social media, and we have Facebook, and we have text messages. Well, here's the deal. These distract us sometimes from being present in the here and the now. These distract us from being able to be present in communion with God. There's a... a uh, I think, what's his name? I think I have it on here. I don't have it on my notes, but there's a guy named Bruce Hindmarsh. And this is what he said in an article about spiritual addiction uh, and just how we're getting spiritual ADD because of all of the devices that we have. Our spiritual condition is one of having spiritual ADD. We are more easily distracted from the important issues of our lives moment by moment. The nature of digital communication is that we are endlessly distracted. This idea that this phone that we have, it can distract us. Another famous quote is that multitasking is possible, but multifocus is not. Multitasking is possible, but multifocus is not. If we want to be people who are in communion with this Creator, if we are wanting to be people who can see the effects of God in our life, we have to focus on it. We have to build in time in our life where we put the phone away. We don't check the Instagram or the Facebook or whatever it is. And we put that down and we intentionally set our minds. What does it say in Paul writes? Whatever is good, whatever is faithful, whatever is honorable, focus your mind on those things. This is another thing. And the last thing that I want to encourage us is to get outside. You know, in this this modern city sometimes, you know, we are in office buildings, we're in our homes, but I want to encourage you to go out and experience God's creation. I dare any one of you to take your shoes off and walk in the grass this week. Take a picture and send it to me. Feel the nature that's outside. Go outside just to hear the sound of the trees. Go outside just to see the clouds in the sky. Because this is something that points us to the divine. In Romans it talks about evidence of God. God is, is seen through his creation. The mountains and the rivers and the valleys. And here in a city it's harder to do that. But may we find time to spend our bits and pieces of our life outside communing with nature. It's, it's less sterile. It's out there, it's organic. So three things, slow down, silence and solitude, put the phone down, get outside. 
These are the things that we can actively do to, to be connecting with God and to walk with Him. Faith, in Hebrews 11, is like Enoch. Enoch, the way that he lived was pleasing to God, and it says that he walked with God. And may we be people who can listen and walk with the divine. I'm going to say a prayer at this time. And after the prayer, we're going to go straight into our communion meditation. And June is going to lead us in a communion thought. But this is an incredible culmination to this time. Because in communion, when we're not singing, we'll be in silence. We'll be in solitude. And notice when you are still Notice what takes you away from that peace. Notice what it is that takes your mind away from God. Then bring it back. Intentionally develop that ability to focus and connect with the divine. And may we during this time open our hearts and be truly able to take the fluff out of our ears to see what God is up to here and now. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for this time that we could gather together as a community, our prayer is that we can be people who are in relationship with you. People who are walking beside you. We know that you are already here. We know that your presence is here, but Father, sometimes we don't see it. We're too busy. We have our phones in our hands. We have uh, a thousand things on our to-do list, God, but may we take time, intentional time this week to pause to breathe in and out and to acknowledge your presence, to feel your presence. If there are things in our life that are distracting us, if it's the fluff in our ears that needs to be removed, our prayers, that you can remove it and that we can adequately see you, we can feel you, and that we can be people with a faith like Enoch who is able to walk alongside you in his day-to-day life. We are so grateful for your son Jesus and we're so thankful to celebrate his death and resurrection here and now. We pray this in his name. Amen.